Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians, and we love to read and talk about books. And today we're doing something a little different for us. <laughs> <laughs> we're picking, we're talking about books, novels. Like, oh, no, you do have one nonfiction. Yeah, uh, About sports, which you've been listening to us. You might guess that we're not huge <laughs> sports buffs. So where did this come from? This came from the fact that March Madness is starting next week uh, when we are recording. And I run a March Madness pool. Are you doing it again? I am. Yes, I am. Good, good, good. Yes, yes, yes. I've done it for, gosh, 10 years maybe now, longer. I don't even know. And it started as like sort of a fun thing for people who didn't really watch basketball at all or weren't into uh, basketball, but March Madness is such a huge thing that it was, I thought, well, this will be fun. We'll we'll put together people, like basically my friends and family who don't know anything about this. So then everybody has an equal chance of winning because mm-hmm. it would just be fun. So now I've done it and it's grown bigger through friends, inviting friends and family members, inviting other family members. So it's gotten to be pretty big. So now we, we actually do have many people who actually watch basketball. But part of the reason I love to do it is just the drama of right. you never know who's going to win and who's going to lose. And, uh, and I mean about the actual games, but the pool itself too. But the actual games, there's a lot of drama and people, there are the Cinderella stories where the lower ranked team, you know, wins over the higher ranked team. And there's just a lot of around that. So uh, as we're approaching March Madness, which didn't happen last year because of COVID, and it does seem to be happening this year, at least so far, thank goodness. Uh, we, I don't know. I thought it would be fun because I think there's a lot, even if you're not a sports fan, all of the drama that surrounds sports can be really fun to right. read about. So I thought it might be a, a fun topic for us to talk about uh, although I know you maybe had to scrape the scrape the memory <laughs> to find books I, that you've I did read. I did yeah. have to scrape my memory and and to be fair like I'm a I'm a pretty big soccer fan and I, I I really really love the World Cup and I really love international soccer and I know a decent amount about it but it doesn't extend to any other part of my life like right. I have a friend one of my best friends um uh whatever whenever the world cup happened last in 2018 i posted something about it on facebook and she's like oh yeah you're back to this <laughs> <laughs> like oh i have to i have to mute mute bleh, mute you that's hard to say for uh 30 days because you won't shut up about soccer and so so it's funny because it's it is completely uninteresting to me in almost every part of my my world other than this this one piece and so so, uh, so I'm like, yeah, I guess we can read books about sports. <laughs> and, and then I have to sort of like get that excitement that I feel about international soccer and remember that that can apply to other things and, right. and you know, sort of hop myself up for, for sports week. <laughs> well, and it's, again, it's, to me, it's not the actual games that I'm that interested right. in or matches or whatever the different terminologies depending on the sport it's and you'll see from my picks it's all the stuff surrounding it right, so one right, of right. I think I talked about this maybe in our superlatives episode so one of my favorite things that we watched actually probably my favorite thing we watched during COVID was the TV show Ted Lasso did I talk about that yes I can't remember. yes yeah. and which is about uh, an American football coach who goes to England to coach a uh, football meaning soccer and America, uh, team over there. And again, it's 
it's all it's all about the people. It's all about their relationships that I loved. It wasn't about the soccer. And so that was part of why I just thought this would be a fun topic because I think there's just a lot of inherent good storytelling around sports, mm-hmm. despite neither of us really caring about the actual sports part of it. Right, right, right. Uh, so, well, we also and, like to be varied in our topics and stuff. Right, and so it's right. fun to be doing something that's not i will i'll say we just spent 45 minutes talking about megan and Harry, and so, so we, we have our our we don't want to be one note on right, this right on this podcast yes and i will say jeremy's a big golfer and so golf is often on the tv in our house on weekends uh and i sort of have gotten more into that i'll often be reading while he's watching or working on a jigsaw puzzle or something so mm-hmm. i have it kind of like half my attention towards it and that's that's kind of that's about my speed of sports i'm not mm-hmm. that's it's interesting and part of what i've i've told him repeatedly one of the things i like about it is that there will be some random person not random i'm sure to have a golf watchers but random to me some random person in the top five or something one tournament that I'm like oh wow I've never I've never heard of this person before and here they are potentially going to win this whole big thing and and so I like that aspect of it that and again that's why I like March Madness because you have the underdogs that can kind of right climb their way up and and they're so excited and I don't know so yeah did I tell you um I used to spend time with someone who I'd watched a lot of football with and he would get so mad at me because I'd always talk about the colors of the uniforms (laughs) and like players are kind of notorious for patting each other on the butt and I'd be like oh they're friends yay (laughs) and like helping each other up off the off the um like rival players helping each other up up if they tackled each other and I'd talk about oh they're friends and he would just like his head would be in his hands because my my uh (laughs) My takeaways from football games are not the same, apparently, as everyone else. No, I do the same thing, and God love Jeremy because he he humors me, and I'll be like, "Oh, they're wearing pink shoes!" Right, like, right? Yes, they are wearing pink shoes, and he'll know why they're pay- wearing pink shoes because he will have already previously noted it, and he's like, "Hallie's probably going to say something about this." Yeah, um, he knows what to look for. That's so funny. Uh, so uh, uh, all right yeah. well um and i will say the other the other tv show i was when i was thinking about this as a topic which was based on a book originally it was a book made into a movie made into a tv show is friday night lights which oh, i don't yeah. know that you've ever, have you ever i still haven't like there are yeah. just so many shows like that that i i have on my um uh now i use tv time to mark the the shows that i want to watch and mm-hmm. there are just so many there's yeah. too many good shows and I, I'm not really a rewatcher for the most part. And so that says something that I, I still have not gotten to it where I, I'm there are too many good shows. They need to stop. Yeah, I know. They just keep making new good ones. But yeah. that's another one where I when we first started watching Ted Lasso, I said, this is the comedy version of Friday Night Lights because Friday oh, Night Lights is a drama. Yeah. Uh, but it's so good. And it's about a high school football team in Texas where that's just the whole that's the town is just all wrapped up in this high school football team and all of the interpersonal dynamics and stuff. And oh gosh, it's just such a good show. And again, I don't care about the football necessarily, but the show makes it so compelling that you do care whether yeah. they're going to win the championship or not. So uh, I just, yeah, I think there's, again, I'll say, I think there's just a lot of good storytelling opportunities that surround sports that even if you're not into the actual games, you can sure. still appreciate the the stories surrounding it. So yeah. 
All right, well, let's just go ahead and get started with your first one. So first I will talk about The Crossover by Kwame Alexander, and this is a YA novel that's written in hip-hop verse. And it's a coming-of-age story about two 12-year-old brothers who are twins, and they're named Josh and Jordan. Um, Jordan goes by JB, um, and their last name is Bell, and they're obsessed with basketball, and they're the stars of their middle school basketball team. Um, so their their mother is the assistant principal at the school, and their father is a former European League basketball player, and he has really instilled this love of the game in his sons, and he and, and the, the parents um, have really... Uh, brought up their sons to have a good understanding of hard work and to have um, good character and and it's just this really this really um, beautiful family dynamic so for JB the basketball team is this fun you know after school thing he loves being the star he loves to show off there um, but Josh really feels more strongly about it and to him it's his life and it's very tied to his relationship with his father so as so they're 12 and as the twins are growing up and they turn 13 then then things are starting to change in their lives as it usually does um for for teenagers so jb gets a girlfriend for the first time and he starts to spend less time with with his twin and josh starts to see um ways that his father is not invincible and this these two developments really impact the family relationship in every way and especially starts to tear apart the the bond between the twins as they're dealing with um, the jealousy and anger and sadness that that they um, feel as they sense that they're losing something in each other. So, the, the I won't say anything more about the plot because it's because this is a, a verse novel. It's very very quick reading, and so um, if I say more, that's the entire book. So, um, but it, it, as you as you say, this is so far beyond sports. It's about family and growing up and learning to change and. Um, deal with hardship that comes from change but it also is really paying homage to the sport of basketball because the way that Kwame Alexander has written it it has this beat that makes you feel the rhythm of the game and all the Mm -hmm. swagger and confidence that these boys feel when they when they're on the court and that's just Mm -hmm. like you you can't help but get really hopped up as you Mm -hmm. read these these um poems about the game itself so um i just love it 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 won a newberry award a few years ago because it's kind of that more um middle grade uh age bracket and so it Mm -hmm. it could have gone either way um but it's just one of my favorite ya books i i actually bought this one and and had it signed at y'all fest um a few years ago and um i i definitely need to do a reread soon because it's it's just fabulous so that is the crossover by kwame alexander yeah, I loved that book. I haven't read anything else by him, I don't think, but I need to because I, I was very impressed by that book. Yeah, I somehow haven't read the soccer one, which is... Oh, that's funny. ...goofy for how much yeah. I love soccer, so I'll do it. My first one is Beartown by Frederick Bachman, and I'm I'm guessing most people know Frederick Bachman from his book, A Man Called Uva. I think, how do you really say it, Anne? And that's fine. Is that close enough? Yeah. Close enough for an American? Yeah. I, I also am struggling because it's because I'm saying it the Danish way. And so yeah. I, I shouldn't speak as though I know anything. OK. Uh, all right. So uh, that was a very, very popular book a few years ago. Lots of book clubs read it, I know. But Beartown uh, came out a few years after that, a few years ago. And 
is a little bit more serious, I would say, um, than some of his other books, but uh, very, actually very similar to Friday Night Lights, which I was just discussing. It's about this small village that is obsessed with their local hockey team. Uh, you either play on the hockey team or you did when you were younger or you are a fan and watch the hockey team. Um, so this year, when this book is being told, the, the junior hockey team is doing really, really well. And they are on their way to winning the championship, the, I think the national championship. And if they do, the town, which has kind of been declining in many ways, will rebound because suddenly there will be a new school uh, to teach hockey. There will be a new ice rink. There will be Jobs at the local factory won't go away. There will be tourists who are coming because this is a well-known team now. And so they will just bring money and opportunities uh, to this village. So everybody has a lot tied up in the idea of this, this young group of boys winning the championship. So they get to the final, the, excuse me, the semifinal game. And afterwards, they've won. And afterwards there is a violent incident that happens and one of the hockey players is accused of raping the, I believe the head coach's daughter. So suddenly the town is split as far as who believes whom, what to do with the player because he's kind of the star player on the team or one of the star players on the team. So if the player, if he's pulled from the team, they might not win the championship and everybody's fates are resting on the fact that these boys are going to win this championship. But how can you not punish somebody who has done this horrific thing and the coach is in this position of, this was his daughter and he's expected to take this team to a championship. So lots of sort of murky feelings happening about yeah. uh, what to do. And you hear from multiple people. That's one of the things that Frederick Bachman does really well. I, I think every book I've read by him, he has, he has multiple perspectives, uh, which is really, I always love those books seeing you get to get in different people's heads. And in this one, it works really, really well because you come to understand different people's points of view, even though maybe you don't necessarily agree with them, they become at least somewhat sympathetic. You understand where their heads are, even if, right. again, even if you don't agree with them. And I feel like he does a really good job of exploring what could be a really difficult topic with a lot of sensitivity and without making you feel like he's either excusing anyone's behavior or castigating people for thinking in any certain way. So it's just so good. It's again, it, it's got all that drama. If you like, if you've watched Friday Night Lights and you liked that, I think you'll love this book too, because it's, it's as much about it or more about the people than it is about hockey. Uh, but hockey is the thing that they're all focused on. So that is Bear Town by Frederick Bachman. And actually, uh, we had friends over for an outdoor dinner last night, and they were saying that it's a show that they're watching, I think maybe on, I don't remember now if they said Netflix or I feel like they maybe said HBO Max. Oh. And it's a, it's a Swedish show, and it's got subtitles and they've been watching it and she had read the book and she feels like the book is better and she feels but I think a lot of people feel that way when they mm -hmm. read a book and then watch a tv show or a movie but they thought it was really good so that I didn't realize that they had made it into a show and there's actually a sequel to it 
called Us Against Them, which I have not read yet. So I, I don't know. Uh, I can't recommend that one way or the other. But I have read Veritano. It was excellent. He's such a good writer. I just, I just yeah. very recently read A Man Called Ova, and oh, yeah. I was very, very impressed with it. Yeah. And he, I thought it would be much more treacly than it is. Yeah, and he's got a, he's got a An edge. very, very distinct edge. Yeah, yeah. To, to his writing and and um, the stories he tells, and it's it's um, so that I remember reading about this book and thinking, well, that yeah. seems out of out of character yeah. for what else he writes. But I was wrong. He, no, yeah, oh, well, taking uh, on some serious things. Yes, and one of the things I think he's so good at is some observational asides almost or our observation about behavior uh i can't remember now if i talked on here about anxious people i feel like i maybe did but that's his most recent book and that's one of the things i loved about that book which is also in bear town which is he has a really almost distinct way i don't know that i i see it that often which is kind of surprising because books are all about observing people's behaviors or portraying people's behaviors but he just will have these sentences that just ring so true about the way people think and the way people act and the way people behave towards each other and and so that's why I think even though this is kind of a more serious topic uh, than some of his others which which they're they all are not I mean they're not light necessarily a man called Uva starts with him contemplating or attempting suicide if I remember correctly Uh, so it's not like they're all just happy but uh, they tend to have a hopeful tone and this one is a little bit more subdued I would say than that but but yeah he just is really he's great I just Mm -hmm. have really loved everything I've read by him I know I'm not alone in that I'm not I'm not this is not breaking news a lot of people like (laughs) your hot take (laughs) but I would say that Beartown took me a little bit longer to come to because of the topic and I just thought oh I don't know hockey's not you know i don't know it's just there i wasn't sure that it would be for me but it really is it's really excellent awesome um okay next is match me if you can by susan elizabeth phillips a book you had me read i did (laughs) Um, and i picked this because um i expect there are many non-sports lovers listening right now and so this is a book where sports play a role but it isn't the action and so like as you're saying sometimes this isn't even where it revolves around mm-hmm. the game. It's completely outside of the of any of the action of sports. So, um, so I think that's really interesting. Sort of the the business beside be, behind um, something that's that massive. So it's about a woman named An- Annabelle Granger, and she has taken over her grandmother's Chicago uh, matchmaking business, and she's trying to pull it into the 21st century by focusing less on widowed seniors and more on hot young professionals who are too busy to date them to to find dates for themselves so she in order to do this needs to land some impressive client that can legitimize herself in the matchmaking field and um, she's really struggling with the competition in Chicago because there's a top matchmaker in the city named Portia Powers that um, is very famous and very um kind of the opposite of of Annabelle in personality and and her take on how to go about um, setting people up. So Annabelle herself is recovering from a broken engagement and she um, is kind of considered a hopeless cause by her overachieving family. And so um, on the other hand, Portia is extremely ruthless and disciplined. And so they're just polar opposites from each other. So they're both by they're both hired by a man named Heath Champion, which 
if that's not a sports name, I don't know what is. And he is the best, he's the best sports agent in the country. So he has basically everything that, that um, you would want in life. He has looks and wealth and celebrity friends, but um, he knows that the next logical step is that he has to have the perfect wife that he can sort of use as a, as the ultimate status symbol. So Annabelle and Heath are thrown together a lot as she tries to get to know what he's looking for. But um, because of that, she also gets to meet all of his clients on the Chicago Stars, which is the team that this um, series revolves around. Um, so this is a, a football team that um, does not exist. <laughs> that, um, I can't remember if it if it's a secondary team to like if it, if there's also the Bears in Chicago. I don't or know if that she ever says. I can't remember now if it's. I can't it, remember. Like I mean, it's been a while since I've read one of those. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it, but they're a super successful, very famous team. So, um, so I, I read this several years ago, as, as I said, but I remember liking how the relationship built and that the couple actually had to work pretty significantly to get to their happily ever after. Mm-hmm. And that it also had these very, uh, well fleshed out peripheral characters on the team. And that's, that's kind of a, you've said before how that's very common with, um, romance series that it's mm-hmm. not a true series where you have to read one to the next to, get a complete story it's the the story is complete in that book but then Mm -hmm. it takes another character from like a side character and and tells their story and so these are um you uh, i know this is kind of in the middle of the series but i i know that sort of all the peripheral characters are people that you're familiar with from Mm -hmm. from earlier um books so um it's not about playing sports it's about the culture and business around mm-hmm. it and i'm i'm all for that because i love anything mm-hmm. that's behind the scenes um stories so you get all these different team members and employees and annabelle really gets swept up in that but she's not impressed with it so mm-hmm. she has this memorable scene where she's wrangling this party of football players and heath comes in and he's expecting that she'll be overwhelmed and instead she's she's very much driving the action and she's mm-hmm. taking no guff from anyone and and just that's really fun to see how they all interact with each other so um yeah i i I'm just i'm always pro anything that that for for something that i completely uninterested in if you show me a behind the scenes take mm-hmm. on it i'm i'm all in so um so this is a really charming way to look into all of the the um the backside of everything that goes into making a sports team. So that is Match Me If You Can by Susan Elizabeth Phillips. Gosh, I loved those books. I just, (laughs) there was a summer where I read all of the ones that had been published up to that point, which I think was maybe around seven or so. Uh She did end up coming back to that series. I don't think I've read, I think I've read maybe one of her more recent additions to that series, but I don't know. There, there's something about just the humor in those that I think is they're perfect sit by the pool, read yeah. in an afternoon reads. I don't know. I just think yeah. they're so fun. But I liked that one in particular. But um, That might be one of the first romance novels. I mean, I know I, I read I'm... some romance novels as a teenager yeah. um, because I had a friend who loved it. And so it yeah. was more to make fun of them. But that yeah. might have been the first one I read to seriously. I think I, think. I think I had, I think I'm, I might be I'm getting timelines mixed up, but I feel like the first one I told you to read for the podcast was Bet Me by Jennifer Cruzy, which you didn't like, I don't think. I think I, think I maybe did that and Sarah McLean, maybe. Both. No, this one was first because this oh, was, it was with the Sarah McLean. This, the, that was oh, the same okay. episode. And then Bet Me was, 
I don't remember. Maybe the next time we did out of our comfort zones, that was. Yeah. I don't remember. Anyway. Yeah, but but yeah, this was this is I was I wanted to um, applaud myself very loudly for um, how far I've come on romance novels since then. All right. Well, my or my next one, excuse me, is Check Please, which I accidentally chose two hockey books. I'm sorry about that. I, it's not like I read <laughs> a ton of hockey books. I apparently picked the two that I have read. Uh, but this has been kind of a rough week around my house, and so I had just picked uh, the other day. I'd I'd selected the titles I was going to talk about, and then when I realized I had two hockey books yesterday, I thought, well, that's just going to be what it is because that's cool. I'm sorry that, and they're very very different from each other. So I hope that's okay. I mean, this is a graphic novel actually, and I read this one just last year uh, because I had heard about it on another podcast that I listened to. I believe it was uh, from the Front Porch, which is I've talked about before. It's a, a little small independent bookstore. The owner has a podcast, and and I I believe she talked about it. And at the time, I was knee deep in stuff that I had to read for the committee that we're now we're both on, and it just sounded so fun. And it was it, because a graphic novel tends to be a quicker read. I thought I need a little bit of a brain break from reading something kind of evaluating whether or not it's it's exceptional or I don't know. I just mm-hmm. felt like I needed to read something just for the pure pleasure of reading it so that's why I picked this up and it, it fit the bill exactly it, I read it in an afternoon it was so adorable it's about uh it's about this guy whose name is Eric who is starting his freshman year of college he's from Georgia and he's going to school in Massachusetts on a hockey on a hockey scholarship excuse me uh and he is the greatest he loves to bake pies and he loves pop music and he is a vlogger and also he plays hockey and he's just generally this optimistic kind of bright light in the world kind of person and so the way the book is set up is that a lot of it is because he's a vlogger it's so if you've ever read a graphic novel or you know that the different panels will have him sort of like a film strip almost of him vlogging to the camera about his life uh, anyway, so the so he gets up to school and he's a little bit nervous and intimidated because this is kind of the big leagues for him. He knows he can play hockey. I mean, he's there on a hockey scholarship, but this is big time uh, for him and a new place. And he's from this small Georgia town. And so he's a little bit more intimidated than he would expect. And, and the hockey itself is pretty intense. He's not used to kind of the physicality that these players bring to it. And uh, it takes him a little while to kind of gain his confidence on the ice, but the bigger the bigger issue or sort of wrapped up in that is that he is gay and he is not sure that his teammates will accept him when they learn about that because they just seem like these kind of manly gruff kind of men they talk about girls a lot in their uh locker room as he is sort of the stereotypical thing uh, but he's determined that he wants to be himself and he's going to work hard and he's going to impress his teammates so much that even if they have any sort of issue with it they're not going to have to any issue with his playing and so you follow along in this book on the ups and downs of his year and there's this really lovely sweet kind of romance that happens that unfolds that uh feels not surprising but it's sort of a opposites attract kind of thing and it's just it's so sweet it's it's sounds kind of flimsy of a story I guess but uh it's not because it's really ultimately about accepting yourself and those around you for who they are and all their passions and flaws and making no excuses for that. Just accepting people as they 
are. And so I really loved it. I thought it was so charming. There's actually, there are, all t- there are others in the series that I haven't read yet, but uh, I would I will get to them eventually. And that is, uh, oh, did I ever say it, who it was by? I'm sorry. Um, oh, I don't remember. I don't know if I did. I'm sorry. So it's uh, Check, Please by Ngozi Ukazu. I don't think I said that at first. I'm sorry. I think I, uh, so I realized halfway through you, you talking about it that I've read this too. And I... I'm trying to remember the context of when I would have read it. I don't remember, but I, but yeah, it was very, very cute. I know I read it online. It, so I think there was like oh. a Tumblr that it started on or something like that. And, and someone must have recommended it to me, but yeah, it was very, it was adorable. That's so cute. All right. What's your last one? Okay. So last up is the boys in the boat by Daniel James Brown. And I was very, very late to this party. <laughs> um, and I had never planned on reading this, but a patron actually burned me a copy on CD of the audiobook because oh, she was so, nice. yeah, she was just an interesting patron um, who didn't get along with anyone, but suddenly decided she liked me because <laughs> I pushed back at what something she was saying. And apparently that gained her respect. So, um, so she started burning me copies of books that she liked the narration because she was very into uh, specific narrators and so um so she gave this to me and I just loved it and so even though you you've mentioned this before of um talking about very famous books even though this is a, a super famous book I would encourage anyone who maybe passed it by because they mm-hmm. weren't interested in the subject to pick it up because it was a huge surprise favorite for me and I I would um recommend it to any Mm -hmm. anyone so it's about the university of washington crew team that rode in the 1936 olympics in berlin and the team was made up of poor young men who didn't have the pedigree of the ivy league schools that usually represented the u.s in the olympics and that's something that i i didn't realize um which if you think about makes sense because you have to be a really strong team for for something like this right but i expected it would just be like we picked people from elite crew teams but right. it's it's actually a full university team that goes um that goes to the olympics to do this so um i also hadn't realized and maybe this is because i'm from the west that the west is was viewed at that time as extremely underdeveloped and rustic um even in the 30s which i could see like in in the 19th century but it just sort of surprised me of how much how much of a um class distinction there was mm-hmm. between the Washington of Washington of University, <laughs> the University of Washington rowers and the East Coast schools that they're competing against. Um, but really, in the Great Depression, they would have been even worse off because of of what was going on in the country at the time. So um, so that was a really interesting um, um like perspective that I wasn't expecting to take from this book, but mm-hmm. um, it focuses particularly on um, one young man named Joe Rance. And he is one of the players who had a particularly harrowing backstory. Um, he he was from Washington, but he grew up basically ab- abandoned by his family and um, lived on his own as a teenager. And he mm-hmm. still went to college and joined the crew team. And the author really stresses that there, he didn't have some exceptional talent that made, that was like a, a rags to riches story of mm-hmm. being, you know, that, that's so so popular in movies and books to have someone who's exceptional that, that becomes um, the star of, of some um, endeavor that they go into. But the author talks about how this is, this perfect combination of of a lot of factors so they you on on a crew team you have to have this like 
I'm doing a bad job of, of explaining it, but like this, the synchronization of, um, the, the rowers together that, that you, it isn't where it's that you have all these, these super talented people, but they have to click in this, this certain way. So you could have someone who's exceptionally good at it. That doesn't make a good member of a team because they don't click with the rest of the team in, in how they row. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so that that had to be in place and then the boat had to be in place and their coaching and their work ethic had to be in place and because of the the conditions that the team grew up in they had this incredible work ethic because of of how much hard work they had to put in at at their age and um mm -hmm. being so young they had already learned how to to work that hard so at the same time that you're hearing this story of of the university of washington you also are learning about the the rise of hitler in germany and the ways that he was cultivating this myth of power and superiority and so when these two stories meet at the 1936 olympics the narrative just becomes electric and i remember listening to the the race in my kitchen and i was jumping down and my, my heart was racing like i was watching something live and I cried and I cheered and it was just like one of my most beloved um reading experiences listening but but like interaction with a book experiences that I've ever had so it's just everything that makes a good story that's the, a riveting story mm -hmm. because you have the um the element of good versus evil and mm. the triumph of the common man over over adversity and it is just fabulous so um the near the audiobook is narrated by edward herman who who's just oh, the, yeah. the correct voice for this i can't imagine yeah. anyone else narrating this so um go get this if you have not read it it is the boys in the boat by daniel james brown yeah i listened to this audiobook too we read it uh when i was still at the library running book clubs there we read it in my book club and i yeah wholeheartedly support the idea of listening to that audiobook if you haven't yet because it was really i'm surprised they haven't made a movie out of this, have they? I no, I, not that I know yeah. of, and I I have thought the same thing many times because it seems perfect for it. So I don't know, I don't know why they they wouldn't have. It was so huge a few years ago that it seems like the logical thing to do. Yeah, I'm surprised. So my last one is "You Will Know Me" by Megan Abbott, and I went. So we, as we've referred to in the past, we keep a spreadsheet of all the titles that we talk about in different episodes so we can try not to repeat ourselves and keep that up very nicely for us. Okay. And I was shocked. I went to look and I have never talked about a Megan Abbott book on this podcast. Which oh, is wow. Crazy to me because I think I've read all of her books. So I don't know. That's just struck me as being surprising. So this is my opportunity to finally talk about a Megan Abbott book. So <laughs> she, uh, I feel like she, again, I've read all of her books. So obviously I like her writing, but she writes really reliable, almost thrillers but not quite thrillers they're not they're not sort of edge of your seat thrillers they're more psychological thrillers about people <laughs> about complex people doing complex things and I just love that uh, so this one is about competitive gymnastics it's about a young girl uh, who is 15 I believe and she is this excellent gymnast she is her according <laughs> her parents think she's on she has Olympic potential. Uh, and so they're doing everything they possibly can to support her in this endeavor. And she practices or trains, I guess would be the better word for it, at this local gym um, where she is by far the best or most 
most talented or, or most likely to have kind of a longevity as a gymnast versus some of the other girls who attend who are more uh, for a hobby than competitive in the way she's going to be competitive. Uh, and her parents sacrificed quite a bit to try to get her the training and um, the get her to different competitions that require travel and overnight stays in hotels and things like that. Um, so they sacrifice quite a bit. So it's a financial burden. It's a burden of the amount of time they spend. And um, But they're committed to this idea that she is going to be a famous, potentially very successful gymnast. And uh, one of the coaches that she has worked closely with uh, dies one day uh, under very mysterious circumstances oh. or suspicious circumstances. Not mysterious, suspicious. Um, and so everybody basically at the gym is a suspect because the coach's whole life was wrapped up in the gym. So there's a thread of this mystery running through, but I even more than the mystery of what happened to the coach and who did it, I think that the really compelling thing for me was sort of the inside look at the helicopter parent aspect of it Ooh, and the yeah. devotion of this 15 year old girl who has this I mean, they're not forcing her into it she wants this and she is determined to be this successful gymnast and so um devon the devon is her name uh so devon's mom is determined to protect that in any way she can and so that includes trying to keep her out of the path of being any speculation of involvement in the crime. And so there's a lot of questioning about motives and who would have wanted this man to die and what, if anything, Devin and her family had to do with it. So it's just, it's kind of twisty from a psychological standpoint. Like I said, it's not necessarily a thriller like some thrillers where you're almost scared or, or that sort of adrenaline kind of uh, right, feeling right. it's more about people's motivations and the sort of darker side of what people are willing to do to get ahead and things like that which is a very common thread in Megan Abbott books she also had one I think it's called dare me and it's about cheerleaders in high school horrifying things that teenage girls do to each other um, and so and this one is very much focused on it's not helicopter parents when it's sports what's it called I can't think of what it's called like Stage moms, but it's not stage. I can't think of what they call hmm, it, but I don't know. Uh, anyway, it's about you know the parents who are determined to give their children everything they need to succeed. Mm -hmm. So that is called uh, "You Will Know Me" by Megan Abbott. That sounds awesome. I want to read it now. It's good. The other thing about her books is they're on the shorter side, page count wise. So uh, you kind of race through them because you want to yeah. find out what happens, which sometimes is good to mix that up with some more meaty books I think yeah yeah all right so uh we will be right back with what we're reading this week okay Ian, what are you reading this week so today is a banner day because I have two romance novels <gasps> in one episode oh my goodness I know what is happening let's mark it down i know um but really it's because i had hardly any sports books to talk about so i had to rely on that um and i'm reading a romance novel so this is first comes like by alicia rye and i would have sworn you had talked about this um um at some point I, did i talk about girl gone viral maybe I it must have been one in this series yeah, yeah. 
Um, cause, but I looked on our spreadsheet and, and you had not. So um, I was surprised. But this, um, I just started it. So I don't have too many details. But it starts at a Hollywood party that a beauty influencer named Gia Ahmed has crashed. And she is taking a, di- a giant risk to meet a man that she's been um, uh, personal messaging with for months. And he is a, a Bollywood star named Dev uh, Dixit. And I apologize if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. I, I didn't take the time to look it up. And I should have. Um and he is part of a, an ultra-famous Bollywood acting family. So um, he's kind of, a, a from, from what I gather, he's sort of a lesser famous member of the family. And so he approached her on Instagram um, by sending her a DM on a, a picture that she had posted. And they started corresponding. And they got pretty heavily involved with each other on, on over messages and... Um, even said some pretty dramatic professions of of their affection to each other. So um, Gia decides that he is because he's in LA for uh, to shoot. I, I think it's a movie or maybe it's a show, but but he has his first big Hollywood gig, and she um, decides that she's going to meet him. And I don't I don't know if it's explained or if I'm just not remembering why they haven't arranged to meet already. But mm-hmm. but she's going to surprise him, and she purposely wears the outfit that he. Um, that she was wearing in the picture that he commented on on Instagram and so he know she knows that he'll recognize her and she's super anxious but she goes up to him and she immediately feels sparks but instead he is merely cordial to her and oh. asks who she is and so she can't believe that this is happening she thinks that he's pretending to not know who she is and that he's like ghosting her in person kind of mm-hmm. and so she leaves the party distraught after there's kind of a not a huge uh, blow up between them, but mm. but people notice and they're they're filming that that something has happened. So Dev is really shaken because he had noticed her before she approached him at the party, but um, was was kind of playing it cool. And he has no idea what she's talking about when she repeats one of the lines that he had written to her online. And so he's he's completely confused, and he's just trying to keep his head above water because he's in Hollywood for the first time and he has all of his family's expectations. And he also is trying to raise the, his teenage niece, whose um, his brother has, has died recently. Um, so her father has died. So that's about where I am. But um, apparently Gia and Dev meet again. And I don't know how that happens, but the paparazzi are being obnoxious to both of them in their lives. So they decide that they're going to fake date to put off the the media, of course. And Gia's family apparently also um, seems to have a lot of problems with the choices that she's made with her career, because I think that she started out as pre-med and was supposed to be a doctor and then became a a beauty influencer. So um, those are two very different things. And sometimes families disagree with that. So I know that right now there are so many fake dating books that that seems to be a huge trend in Mm -hmm. romance right now where every rom-com is fake dating. Um, But this this just was really fun so far. And because it's a a Pakistani-American um heroine it it, that's something you don't see like i know that we're seeing a lot more of that in in romance especially um but she wears the hijab and so to have her work as a beauty influencer and Mm. have that be a part of her her um her life and and her look is uh, and still be very famous is a very cool thing to see in in this book so i'm um very on board with it so far it's very charming and um 
plus it's Hollywood parties. And as I've said, anything that's behind the scenes, I love. So um, that is First Comes Like by Alicia Rye. So this series is so fun. So I've read two, uh, I haven't read this one yet, but I have read two other ones in the series. And they all have some aspect of social media kind of current technology to yeah. them that they're every single storyline or every single story is around uh, something about either something going but it's a girl gone viral it's about it going viral i don't know There's, it's just really fun they feel very current and yeah i, I don't know I well like i think them. the series name is is even is it modern love is the name of yeah. the series yeah. itself so it's yeah. it's trying to show how people actually yeah. meet now meet and fall in love <laughs> yep yeah all right so uh when i was reading this week i finished it last night is the survivors by jane harper Ooh. Uh, we have, oh i want to read this so much we have shared in the past how much we like jane harper i think yeah so this is no surprise that this would be one that i uh, picked up pretty quickly uh, as mm-hmm. after it was released um so this is about kieran who has returned to his hometown with his partner i don't i don't call whether they're married or not but they have a young daughter together and they have come back to where they grew up she he is I think four years older uh than his partner Mia is and so they were um grew up in this town together but weren't friends or it's different when you're 18 and you know somebody's 14 you you move in different circles but now they're they're together um anyway so they've come back they were to help his mom clear out their the house he grew up in because his dad has uh, either early onset dementia or early onset Alzheimer's. I'm not actually sure that they ever say uh, and they've, if they did I'm, or if she did. I'm sorry. I um, blanked on it. But he clearly has he's a little bit on the younger side to have some of these issues, but he needs a great deal of care. And so they're moving him into an assisted living facility where then his mom, Kieran's mom, could get uh, an apartment nearby. And uh, it's that alone is a very difficult situation. Um, I thankfully haven't had to go through it, but I understand very difficult to watch a parent uh, or a spouse in these situations where they don't remember things or he has, a, Kieran's dad has a tendency to kind of go wander off sometimes and the, they, he has to be tracked down and it's just a lot. It's just a lot. And then it's a lot to pack up your house that you grew up in and and move. So there are a lot there are already a lot of kind of emotions swirling about the fact that he is back. Um, but to add to that, uh, ten years prior to this, when Kieran was a teenager, he had um, a relationship with a girl and there so there so all of this takes place on the coast of somewhere in Australia, I assume I believe she's Australian. There are these caves that give a great deal of privacy specifically to teenagers who want to go somewhere. <laughs> uh, but there are these caves where at low tide you can get in easily, but then once the tide starts coming in, they fill up with water. Like you don't yeah. want to be in these caves because they fill up with water. You'll get stuck and potentially drown. So one day he is there with his this girl that he is seeing and they have lost a little lost track of time a little bit but also a huge huge storm has rolled in and things got very treacherous very quickly the water has risen and they're trying to get out and Kieran's a pretty strong swimmer but even still he ends up in in trouble and um ends up getting kind of swept out um and is is struggling to try to come back to shore uh but the girl he's with is able to make it to uh, a safe spot 
spot kind of higher up. And so she's able to send out a distress call or I, I'm sorry, I don't remember. She might be able to communicate with somebody who sends a distress call. But regardless, Kieran's brother, who's slightly older and a friend of his are out on their boat and they hear the distress call and they come to try to rescue Kieran. And in the process, their boat flips over and they both drown. <gasps> and so Kieran obviously feels quite a bit of guilt about the fact that it was his fault that they were out there, that they were on the sea in this huge storm and that they that they wouldn't have been put into danger if it hadn't been for him. So there's a lot of history and sort of emotional trauma that surrounds the fact that he is coming home for this. And then on the same day that this huge storm happened, a young girl who was friends with Kieran's now, we'll just call her his wife. I don't know that she's actually his wife, but she disappeared, this this good friend of Kieran's now wife. And the body was never found. Her backpack washed up on shore. And so the assumption is that somehow she ended up drowning as well, but they've never been able to find her body. So all of that's in the past, but there's a lot of still lingering questions and feelings about all of this. Kieran feels like his parents have always blamed him for his brother's death. And there's also kind of looking back on when he was a teenager and thinking about stupid things that he and his friends did, especially when it came to maybe not being as as kind or generous of spirit towards girls as they could have been and so there's just a lot that he's going through so they're back and they go out to kind of the local pub one day with some of their friends from when they were teenagers and there's this new waitress at the pub who is there for the summer she's about 21 she's in school and she is uh, hoping to be an artist and is very outgoing very lively very vibrant and they chit chat with her and um, th- th- you just get this picture of this girl that she's, again, she's a photographer and she just has a lot of life to her. The, there's a guy in the kitchen who kind of flirts with her. I don't know. There's just this whole story that's going on about like you get an impression that she is um, well loved, I will say, even though she's only been there for a brief time that like she people like her. Um, and she then the next day winds up being found on the beach and she has been killed. So (laughs) the new death as they're investigating what happened has happened to her, um, brings up a lot of questions about if it's any, if there are any connections to the fact that this 14 year old girl went missing 10 years prior. Um, and as they unravel one mystery, there are things that surface about the other one. And so they're, you don't know necessarily if they're connected or not, but there's a possibility that they're they're connected. And then uh, you just you just are learning all about kind of all of the relationship dynamics that are happening, both among Kieran and his parents, and um, Kieran and his high school friends, and it's just all kind of wrapped up together. And one of the things I love about Jane Harper is she tends to reflect kind of how the natural world impacts yeah. the characters in the story. So. In her first book that we ever read, it was during a drought, and that very much was part of kind of the fabric of the story. And in this one, the sea being unpredictable and uh, the cliffs and the beach and all of that, or the caves, they all kind of work together to add this sense of 
a lack of control or like that you have to be very cautious because you don't know what could happen. So I don't know if just there's something about that atmosphere that she builds and it's very specific to the weather and the natural, um, I don't know, just like the natural world around the people. So I don't know. There's just something about the way that she ties those together in a way that feels like you're there, like you could just yeah. picture being there and what that would be like. So uh, that's The Survivors by Jane Harper. And it's not, I, I made it sound more convoluted than it is. Like it, all you need to know is there's like a historical storyline where a girl went missing and these two boys died in this boat. And then there's the current storyline of the waitress who who is new to town. And um, so she doesn't have that history with all these people, but then she winds up dead. So, um, so yeah, that's The Survivors by Jane Harper. I just I I think I've read everything of hers but other than this one but I'm looking at it right now so I <laughs> will read it um but she's just so like her, her plots are so great but she also yeah. is so good at um all of her books deal with past trauma and how right. it impacts yeah. the current day and and I think in all of them it's, it's someone who has left their home yeah. coming back to yeah to their homes so yeah and, and having to deal with with the choices they've made in the past and yeah. and so she's she i like that she's someone where you know sort of the themes that she's going to deal with with mm-hmm. um with past trauma and and the natural world and mm-hmm. somehow she still makes it fresh every time and yeah. she she makes it interesting every time and that is not an easy thing to do so yeah she's a, a kind of must-read author at this point yeah, she is. And what's funny is I'm also listening. I I often compare her to Tana French. I suggest mm-hmm. her. If somebody really loves Tana French, I often suggest Jane Harper. And right now I'm listening to The Likeness by Tana French. So I thought <laughs> oh. that's a sort of funny combination because I yeah. think of them as being kind of similar. And, um, but I was at, at one point I thought, well, is this going to be dumb? Am I going to start getting their storylines confused? But it was fine because they're very different. Yeah. Mysteries. Ta- Tana French will always be my goddess. But yeah, but, yeah I love that well, yeah, they... Unfortunately, I think it did a little bit of a disservice to the Jane Harper book because Tana French is just so good. Yeah, her that, writing is exceptional. Yeah, that I, uh, I think that the survivors wasn't maybe, I don't know, like it, it lacked a little bit in comparison, but just a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, just, yeah. Just because Tana French is so good. No knock on Jane Harper for not right, being exactly. as good as Tana French because yeah. who else can ever be as good as Tana yeah. French? Anyway, all right, let's go back and list off all the books we talked about today. Okay, I talked about The Crossover by Kwame Alexander, Match Me If You Can by Susan Elizabeth Phillips, The Boys in the Boat by Daniel James Brown, and what I'm reading this week is First Comes Like by Alicia Rye. And I talked about Beartown by Frederick Bachman, Check Please by Ngozi Okazu, You Will Know Me by Megan Abbott, and what I was reading this week was The Survivors by Jane Harper. So... If you would like to get in touch with us to give us <laughs> feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at wellreadpodcast. Uh, please rate and review us. We really appreciate it on whatever app or device or whatever that you're listening to this podcast on. Um, it helps other people find the show, which is always lovely. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this and every episode. Thank you all for listening 